0: And welcome back to another episode of the Freaking Geeks podcast. We're your hosts, Michael and Sarah.
1: Hey, geeks!
0: So uh, we are finishing off our Before trilogy by reviewing Before Midnight, the third in the trilogy, and the best, maybe? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think it—you know—it's splitting hairs, <laughs> you know. Um, I think sometimes it can depend on what mood you're in, too. Uh, Depending on which one you like the most, it just depends on what mood you're in. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to be breaking down uh, Before Midnight for you. So it came out in 2013. It was directed by Richard Linklater. It was also written by Richard Linklater, Ethan Hawke, and Julie Delby. It had a budget of $3 million, and it actually made... Just a hair over $8 million.
1: Which is pretty crazy because the other two movies, they made maybe a million dollars profit. This one, they made quite a good chunk. Five million profit. Not too bad.
0: No, no. It's not bad at all. And It's actually the best they've ever done, obviously. So, you know, compared to what it cost to make, they made... For a small, tiny little independent movie, they made their money back and more. They almost made triple their money back. So and that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I don't obviously when you think when you factor in, you know, DVD sales and, and all of that, they're pretty profitable, you know. So they're doing alright. So. Right. Uh yeah. So Sarah, why don't we kind of give our general impressions? regarding this movie so give me your general impression of Before Midnight
1: well okay I'm going to talk about the first time I watched it and uh, I guess for you guys listening um, I had heard of this but I never watched it until maybe a year ago we were talking about the Before trilogy and Michael told me like it's good you need to go watch it yeah there's people that don't like this for certain reasons, but it's not because it's different or deviates from the originals. It's good. So, of course, I went and watched it. And <laughs> I was a wreck after watching this for the first time. Because if you don't know the ending, it is just you're getting like thrown against a wall like a rag doll with emotions throughout this whole movie. And it's very intense. Um, and I actually really liked it. Second time round, when I know what's going to happen at the end and I can kind of relax, I can really appreciate what's happening, and so I do. I like it second time round much better. Um, and I think I honestly think it holds up just as good as the other two, and it's really refreshing that they didn't get scared to just kind of fit into the mold of the previous two you know, happy, love, and all this good stuff, and actually continue on and show how a real couple who have real issues and have done some you know crazy things actually would interact with each other through eight odd years of being together. and It's very realistic and anyone who's been with somebody for more than a year has fights like this and it, you're going to find fights that strike a chord with you and that's what I kind of like with it. Every movie, there's something relatable. That you can connect with and um, so yeah I I really liked it what about you yeah
0: I, I obviously have a, a long history with these movies in general um, and so when this was coming out when I I heard about it which actually was not that far from its release because I, I heard that it was actually being filmed there was a rumor that it was being filmed in Greece and, but nobody would necessarily confirm it, so I wasn't sure whether to believe it or not. And then they they dropped the trailer for it, and that's when I was just kind of ecstatic. I I, I you know I knew the time frame was coming up. Like if they're going to make another movie, they're going to have to start filming, you know, relatively soon. But um, you know, when I first watched this this. For you know, for the first time it, it was a harrowing experience, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, How did you fare emotional wise watching this?
0: I was a bit of a wreck. Um, <laughs> I I like you, it was it was kind of scary. But at the same time, it was also refreshing to to see a movie where a large portion of the movie was conflict um, and not conflict through it, like a prism of love and, you know, kind of fun little fights, you know, it, it felt very realistic, which I enjoyed.
1: Yeah. This is the kind of fight you, one of those big fights you have maybe once or twice throughout your relationship, hopefully in your entire relationship. But uh, yeah, it, they don't shy away from how real it is and how ugly it can get. There's no sugarcoating anything, and I really appreciate that.
0: Right. Uh, definitely. I agree. Um, what I really enjoyed about this movie is that they it, it took something very personal for both characters, and they kind of made that the crux of the argument, but at the same time infused, well, I guess not infused intertwined within that kind of core conflict that they kind of go off on is a lot of other stuff going on, you know, like there's deeper things going on. It's not just that argument. And I think that was integral to this, to this movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can't agree more. I mean, it's so great that they decided to do that and and not only just, you know, include all this conflict, but they touch on a lot of things that we're all curious about his son and their life where they are and you know, they don't shy away from giving us the full update either. <laughs> There's some really great stuff going on. Um, it's too bad that we don't get to see his son for very long cuz you know, it's it's really interesting seeing his relationship with his dad, but I like that we get to see it, at least some of it, you know?
0: Right. Um, I want to provide, like, a synopsis here uh, before we continue, uh, which I should have done before, but it's all right. So the synopsis that I wrote out here, uh, by, by the way, when I do these synopsis, I, I, these aren't copy and pasted from other places. Like, I write out my own synopsis. Just I don't want to copy-paste it. It's too easy. Uh, so what I wrote here was uh, it's been nine years since Celine and Jesse reconnected after their initial Vienna encounter, which is now 18 years ago. With their two blonde twin girls in tow, they, along with Jesse's son Hank, uh, have been staying in the house of a fellow writer on the coast of idyllic Greece. With Hank uh, leaving for America, Jesse and Celine find themselves at a crossroads. He laments on the loss of time with his son, and Celine feels compelled to take a job that could be fulfilling but would also keep them in Europe and away from Hank. Um, and, uh, and that, you know, is the crux, I think, of of this movie.
1: Yeah, what they both want leads them in different directions, and it kind of leads down to just a a whirlwind of all the things that have bothered them that they've kind of repressed for several years since they've had the girls they haven't really like immediately once they got together she got pregnant with the twin girls they haven't had that settle down time Mm -hmm. and you know getting to really find their rhythm they just immediately had two more bodies to take care of (laughs) and I can't imagine that being easy on anybody and you can't fight in front of the kids. You don't want to fight in front of the kids. So just kind of been building and building leading up to having a free night for the first time in like eight years and it kind of all unraveling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, well, I'm not sure they've had time like this before. I don't think this is the first time, but I, I think that it couldn't have, it's, it couldn't have come at a worse time, I think, is the big thing here. But we'll, we'll get to, to all of that. Um, it's
1: definitely triggered by those two main cruxes.
0: Right. Right. So um, uh, most of the time we don't really go through this stuff chronologically. But we've been doing that for these movies just because the general premise for this is straightforward. Straightforward. Like, right. I mean, it's, we're talking about very minimal plot going on here. So it's easier for us to do it in cases of movies like this. Um, So, all right. So we start out, uh, we're at the airport, right? Um, Jesse and his son are are there. He's uh, taking them there because of course he's going back to America. Um, Hank is now what? 12, 13 years old, I think.
1: Yeah, he's definitely yeah fourteen. He's got like four years
0: left of high school. I think he said so. Yeah, 14. right, right. So, um, so he's taking them back. Uh, they kind of give their goodbyes. You get, you get the sense. You know, these two have a nice relationship uh, in general. Um, his son seems to be kind of, I guess, quiet. I suppose. Um, I liked, I liked the the kid that played um, Hank. Yeah, he did a good job. And I like the act. I just like the the character.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the character, did the character just fine.
0: Right. All right. So uh, we so Jesse kind of says his goodbyes. He boards. Uh, he comes out, and that's when we find out that he and Celine are together <laughs> because she's staying outside the car, and they get in. And as the camera pans around, which is pretty cool, we see that there are two little blonde haired girls in the back seat so it
1: doesn't make your heart just so warm like when i first saw that i was just like oh my god perfect life <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: yeah right because i mean oh they're so cute by the way the the twin girls i mean you couldn't you gotta ask. keep
1: an eye on those two they are gorgeous
0: yeah that that's the
1: cutest darn kids
0: there's this when they when they turn Teenagers, and it's not going to be fun for Jesse. Well, um, he's
1: going to be going bald from that.
0: <laughs> gray hairs galore, for sure. Yeah, so, um, so they go on this this car ride, and there's this really fantastic 15 minute uh, scene that we get where they they talk about so much, you know, on their ride. I mean, he laments about you know, hopefully. His son had a good time. He wasn't really sure. Celine lets him know they had a great time, and then in fact there was a girl that he likes, and that they he kissed her. So that was kind of you know obviously a big deal. Um, and but the, the big part of this whole fifteen minute conversation, the really the meaty part, right, is the the conversation they have towards the end. It's like the last two to three minutes of this scene. So, I'm going to play that now. It's just, uh, it's all about Hank and Jesse missing the fact that he's not spending the time with the son that he feels like he needs to, especially in the last few years where it's like the most important now. So, uh, we'll play that scene and we'll, we'll uh, break it down.
2: What? What is it?
3: I don't know. I don't know, I don't... I just don't think I can keep doing this. What? Just every summer, every Christmas, you know, it's like... Uh, I know, it makes me ill. You know, it know. just wouldn't be so bad, you know, if I... Like if we were sending him to boarding school or something, just, just. I don't know, it's just his mom and I got along a little bit better.
2: I know, it's like we're sending him back across enemy lines. No, it really hit me
3: this time, you know what I mean? It's like... He's going to be a freshman in high school four more years and he's going to be on his own.
2: Well, maybe that's the good news. We only no, have four no, more no, years. No, this just... is the
3: crucial time. I just feel like I should be there for him, you know. Like it's now or never, you know. No, what do you mean? I guess I just thought somehow he'd end up living with us somewhere along the way, you know. Now time's going by so fast. And here we are. It's high school, you know. There's girls. And you know, next thing you know, it's college applications.
2: Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's time. I mean, I really think it's time. Just tell his mom all this and ask if he can come and live with us. He'd love it. You can put him in that... That's
3: that's never going to happen, all right? She's never going to give me one thing that she's not legally obligated to.
2: Do you want to call that lawyer again? No, I
3: don't like that guy. It's terrible. Should I call his mother? Uh, no. Please. Never again.
2: look, he doesn't even know
3: how to throw a baseball. Who cares? He just with his elbow, you he throws like a girl. It's not your fault. No, it, 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 it is my fault. A father is supposed to teach you that.
2: Okay, he just doesn't like baseball, no, It's Disney. an example, okay? okay, it's a metaphor yeah, right.
3: for everything. He's turning 14 okay. and he needs to his father.
2: Jesse, I'm not moving to Chicago.
3: What did I ask you to? Where'd that come from, huh? I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, this is the one thing I promised myself I would never do, and I look up and I'm, and I'm doing it. Well, you know?
2: listen, you're a wonderful father. He loves the relationship you have. He loves the letters you send he him. He doesn't and even he's... read
3: the letters. No, of course
2: it's... he reads them. He just doesn't compliment the, the way you I just know
3: that want. if I miss these years, they are never coming back. Oh,
2: my God. What? This is where it ends. What are you talking about? This is how people start breaking up.
3: Oh my God! Well, you know. just—you you just jumped off a cliff. No, no, I'm marking <laughs> this.
2: This is the day. Yeah. You like the ticking bomb that will destroy our lives? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. well,
3: first off, you don't light a ticking bomb. Okay, you set it, it as oh, okay, a timer. Oh, okay. Whatever. That's why it ticks. Whatever.
2: Okay, it has a timer. Well, okay. you know what? It's ticking mm-hmm. right now, and—and and this is how it happens. Yeah. You're unhappy, you blame it on the other person. Resentment grows, everything slowly rot, and you break you're up. You're just That's doing
3: it. this to shut me up. Not okay. at all. No, you not are. At all. That's what you're doing.
2: No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I'm actually surprised we lasted this long. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. here comes the We're on parallel yeah. tracks for a while, but now nah, tracks have crossed, and I'm going west, and uh, you're going east. And tr- believe me, this is how it happens. I've seen it, okay? Just, Catherine, Alexandre, Tomaria. You're kidding, right? Well, you're kidding. no. I'm kidding.
1: And I'm not.
0: <laughs> all right, Sarah, what did you think of this scene when you know, you watched it on this rewatch.
1: It felt like uh, the beginning of just what would come to the end, like I I can immediately tell like this is the beginning of something that was going to be bad and down the road. Um, It's just kind of like, like she said, a marker of, you know, mark that this is the day that it began. And it's just kind of an omen for us. Like, yeah, this is going to get ugly. Here's a warning. Um, but I love that they really show us how much Jesse cares. You know, he really loves his son. He didn't just, you know, up and leave his wife and kid for Celine. You know, he didn't love his wife, but he loves his son to death. And he wants to still be a part of his life and that it's tearing him apart between, you know, Life with Celine and his girls, and life with his son—like it's got to be a very difficult thing to think about. And of course, you know, being on the opposite spectrum of that with Celine, you know, she'll she feel so guilty if she doesn't let him go, but then she's gonna feel resentment if she passes on, you know, this wonderful job and goes with him, and where do you draw the line on how many sacrifices you make for somebody else before you feel that sacrifices need to get made for you, you know?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I look at this, um, is this whole argument, this whole thing that, that they get into, especially the back end of this movie where they have the giant fight. (laughs) People think about that, but, you know, the beginnings of it really start here,
1: you yes, know, in the victim. car
0: and, and it continues and little, little comments will get made throughout the movie, just leading up to the big fight. So I think that's really great because then the fight doesn't feel like it just comes out of nowhere, you know? So yeah,
1: you can just, you can see the very beginning. It's like a virus just being planted that slowly grows and manifests throughout the whole thing.
0: Right, exactly. So it all, it all connects, and I th- I think that's actually very brilliant. So yeah, great writing. Yeah. So what we get here is this fight that starts, you know, about. Jesse feeling like he's not a very good father because he's not there for his son, and, and these are the last few years of his son as a teenager before he's going to go off to college, and then he's a he's a you know an adult, he's a man, he's going to you know there's going to be girls, women, and then you know who knows, so he feels like the time is running out. Unfortunately, they are over in Europe. Uh, Hank and his uh, mom, well, Hank, I guess the mom doesn't really matter, but Hank is in Chicago, so that's a. It's a big deal. I mean, different continents. So of course, given this, um, you know, given the amount of distance between them, you know, Hank can only come so often, and jesse going to fly, fly over there every so often. Hank's going to fly over to see Jesse every so often. So it's only a few times a year they probably get to spend real meaningful time. Uh, beyond that, they're like writing letters and and things like that. And I mean, that's as a father, that's got to feel unfulfilling. You know, on your duties. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. That you're not contributing the way you wanted to. And it draws back to Jesse's childhood, too. I mean, his parents were very unhappy and he didn't feel like his dad was there very much and didn't have the greatest father figure to look up to. And so it's also weighing on his mind, too, that he's kind of following his father's footsteps and not being, you know, the best father he can be or that he wants to be even though he is a great father and doing, you know, the best he can in this situation.
0: Correct. Exactly. So, uh, they kind of, I guess they, I mean, Celine says that obviously at the end, she's like, this is how it all ends. This is how this, how relationships (laughs) end. This is the beginning of the end. And it's, um, you know, again, like a harbinger of, of things to come in this movie. Uh, Because we we obviously see as we get to the end that this statement is kind of a foretelling of the future, at least possibly. But definitely comments this show make later.
1: I do like the cute factor of him stealing food from his child and she's filming and <laughs> taking the apple from them and they're talk about how they're just bad parents. <laughs> I'm like that yeah, but that's pretty much every parent kind of thinks that they're bad parents, you know, when they don't feel like they're giving a hundred percent to their kid. So it's uh it's just really cute to see that side of them.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really is great. You know, they they're smart people. They they know they're not they're not perfect, um, but you know they obviously are not bad parents by any stretch.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> they are pretty decent parents, if I say so.
0: <laughs> Correct. Yes. All right. So uh, run us through what happens next because they get back to the writers' retreat. So what ha- what happens there? So you know they get out of the car. <laughs> the the twin girls run into this this just gorgeous place i mean it's
1: really beautiful like paradise and one thing that i didn't notice the first time but i noticed this time is that there's this tune overlaid uh just kind of when we're looking around seeing the girls run and play seeing the people playing jesse hanging out with them and just kind of taking the landscape the landscape and the home and everything And there's this tune playing in the background, and I realized that it's just um, a version without the singing of Celine's song that she sang to Jesse at the end of Before Sunset. So I thought that was a wonderful touch, and I wouldn't have noticed it if I hadn't watched Before Sunset last week, (laughs) so I thought that was awesome. Um, but yeah, you, you can see that they kind of have, they're living kind of in a little paradise. I mean, the people are smart and articulate and kind and funny, and we get to meet all of them, um, and we see that they really get on, they're like one big family, and everyone just kind of takes care of each other, <laughs> you the women in the kitchen, you know, as usual, and the guys are out playing, I don't know, whatever, rugby, kicking around ball, whatever you're going to have, and it's very just kind of traditional kind of homey homestead you know
0: yeah definitely i agree um it's pretty cool to see this uh we also get introduced to some other characters which you know this is the first before movie that other characters have you know substantial dialogue you know before this other people (laughs) right there was almost nobody i mean a handful of lines here and there but you know, nobody that had more than a, a few minutes of screen time. Uh, but that's different here, which I yeah, really enjoy. Yeah, have actual,
1: legit characters to care about. Mm-hmm. Right. So and I love Stephanos and his, uh, I guess his wife, probably. Their relationship is just so um, vulgar, and but like totally connected. And there's something really just endearing about those two.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think Stephanos is pretty hilarious.
1: <laughs> yes, totally agree. All
0: right. so, so they get there, and uh, Celine goes in with you know the women. They're kind of preparing food. Uh, there's obviously going to be a dinner, of some kind. Meanwhile, Jesse's out um, outside with Stephanos and uh, the writer. I can't, I can't think of the older guy's name. Um,
1: Oh, he has a definitely a Greek name. Let me just find it. Is it
0: a- a- Achilles or something? I, I don't I can't remember. <laughs> um anyway, it's it's the it's the older gentleman who basically owns this place and you know, put Jesse up here for, for the summer. Um
1: Never mind, it's Patrick.
0: <laughs> I, oh, it is
1: It's Patrick, I think. If I remember correctly.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: like ah, it's a long Greek name. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they're out talking, and, and Jesse's kind of going on about his his next idea for a book, um, which is feels kind of very meta, uh, but you know it's it's a it's a cool idea, I guess. And, um, you know, he, the guy goes on to talk about how he kind of got in contact with Jesse in the first place and, and read his book and, you know, how he feels like he's a talented writer. So, we find out that Jesse's had uh, a lot of books over the last nine years. You know, he's a pretty well, uh, well-known author, at least well-respected author, it seems, with his books that he's been doing. Um
1: he can think outside of the realm of his and Celine's relationship, so it's good to know for our standpoint that, you know, it wasn't just kind of a fluke thing, that he is like, legit talent and brilliant thoughts and makes good books.
0: Correct. Yes. So, I like that. Um, so, then we move on to this this dinner, okay? And also, well, also, we get introduced to a young couple. Uh, they are... Uh, almost kind of like i guess what a young jesse and celine
1: ah modern modern yes i kind of think that they're the modern version of what they might be a little more realistic and pessimistic maybe about the relationship uh but yeah i kind of think it's definitely a reflection of their past you know and what what it might have been like if they had stayed and not gone their separate ways
0: Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could be just like Greek culture though, you know,
1: true. True.
0: So, uh, so they have this dinner conversation and it's like this wide ranging, uh, number of topics. They talk about the, uh, this one woman talks about her husband who's dead and how as time has gone on, it's harder and harder for her to remember the details of, of who he is and in and, and his face and, and, all of that which I th- was incredibly sad I think
1: yeah yeah it's all their conversations are so deep but that one like to end on that one it was just yeah it's really sad but just beautiful in the same way you know that, that she wants to remember she can't she just can't want to forget and so she actually takes time to make sure she does not forget and yeah I think it's beautiful
0: uh, so um, one of the conversations that they get into is uh, well Celine gets into they, they talk oh Lord oh, boy um they, I mean they talk about sex they talk about a variety of things in that area which <laughs> seems like it's okay with everybody you know they're not there's something not great. shy about <laughs> you know yeah
1: um I think it's kind of a European thing too
0: yeah they're not uptight about that <laughs> not exactly. like not, not like here not like Americans uh,
1: yeah where somebody's offended by something you say <laughs> no matter what it is
0: <laughs> Stephanos would not be good in America <laughs>
1: <laughs> no I'm pretty sure he'd be like on those um people freak out videos on YouTube where feminists kind of freak out on him and <laughs> go nuts he'd be that guy
0: yeah, uh, that would be hilarious to watch, though. Um, <laughs> all right, so anyway, they, they get in this conversation, and I'm going to play the clip here, um, and we'll get uh, we'll get your thoughts, Sarah, uh, once it's done. So here it is.
2: And how did you tune it? You don't know what? Well, you have to read Jesse's books. Yeah, especially if you wanna know exactly what it's like to have sex with me read right away. Read right. right away. Uh, oh, That's excuse great. me, Stephanos.
3: Oh, I mean it's well written. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
3: We met about eighteen years ago. We kinda sorta fell in love a little bit and then we a little bit and then we lost track of each other. And a decade later, we ran into each other. No, 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 we didn't
2: th- run into each other, sweetie bear. didn't? Yeah, you wrote a book inspired by our yeah, meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I read about it oh, and went to look for oh, it. Oh, that's pretty romantic. It was
3: not really romantic. Not really,
2: not really, not <laughs> really. He neglects to mention he was married, had he a kid. Details,
3: yeah, details. Yeah,
2: that part was a disaster. It
3: wasn't a disaster, it was inevitable.
2: Yeah, okay. And the first time we have sex without a condom? Twins yeah, and have been pitch? chained to well, the sink ever mouth. since. I'm sorry to say it's that. It's not that bad, is The girls are so beautiful. Mm, thank they, you. They're cute. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, it has some upsides. Okay. Let me tell you right now, Anna, how to keep a man. You're going to okay. let them win at all the silly little games oh, okay. they like. Mm-hmm. When I met Jesse the first night, we were playing pinball, and of course I was winning. It's the
0: foundational was lie Cafe, to our Paris, entire and so. relationship. And at the last it minute,
2: is. I let it the is. ball. The no. Go down the middle. She can't beat it builds their confidence. If I didn't game. let him win at every game, we uh-huh. he, he would, he would never have sex. I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry to say it, but he's actually a closet macho. He's, he dreams of having a bimbo for a it's wife. That's my greatest dreams. aspiration. <laughs> a bimbo.
3: That's it. <laughs> Whoa.
2: So. Oh.
3: <Uh-oh>. Yes.
2: <laughs> so you're a writer. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah yeah
2: sure (laughs) so you write like books
3: (laughs) i've read a few sure sure
2: yeah wow i've never met a writer before (laughs) you must be really smart
3: (laughs) you know i can't even write my
2: own name sometimes when i'm tired
3: Uh (laughs) what kind of books do you like
2: well, I like I like stories with a meaning behind it, like a really beautiful love story. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, um, I read this book once, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Uh, hi. Wow, well, you know it. It's very
3: good. Yeah, it's a play actually. It's not a book. a Play. It's
2: oh, I thought it was a book based on the movie No <laughs> No,
3: no, a play, yeah
2: oh, Okay, it was a play, wow <laughs> Well, actually, I didn't read the whole thing Because, you know, sometimes I I have to keep up and read those magazines To know exactly what's going on In all those people's lives Well, that is and... important Okay, well, you're very, very smart mm-hmm. And I bet you have a gigantic why am I finding myself
0: yes. so
3: attracted no, to this woman?
0: Okay, what did you think of this clip?
1: Yeah, this is. It was another one of those scenes where it's like they're bickering without completely bickering. It's you know, married kind of marriage kind of bickering and complaining at the same time while trying to pass it off as just kind of you know, your general kind of speak amongst friends and yeah, it's definitely a few more kind of red flags getting thrown up because she's immediately criticizing like, you know, know, he didn't mention that he was married and had a kid. It's not that romantic. (laughs) And just kind of belittling him at times. Which, uh, it's hard to watch. A little cringy. Um, But her her impersonation of the kind of bimbo she thinks Jesse would adore is hilarious. When she talks about um, thinking the book Romeo and Juliet was based on the movie, I freaking lost it. That's hilarious. She nails it. It's totally the type of floozy that Jesse would go after if he wasn't in a relationship.
0: Well, obviously, yeah. If if he was, say, single or something, he would be, you know, Jesse would be utilizing his fame. I mean, he'd be knocking his heels back quite a bit (laughs) with with a variety of, I guess, what, groupies? I don't know. Is there a groupie for writers? I don't don't know.
1: (laughs) The book term for groupies. I don't know. Wordies? I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so anyway... um, yeah i i love this clip you know because i think you can see again there's there's a lot of darkness hidden underneath what sounds initially like kind of like this light fun dialogue but you get little things that kind of pop up and it's you know before this clip and after this clip there's there's a lot more too but um i think this kind of highlights something very specific which we'll see later in the movie and that is the blonde bimbo that that Celine plays because that's going to get thrown at him uh, once the, the real fight starts once like, cause like I kind of view this um, kind of like a volcano, right? So a volcano generally just doesn't erupt. All right. You get the, the you get like earthquake. Um, you, you get maybe some smoke coming out of the top. Uh, there's warning signs. There might be small little things happening, which, tells you that something big is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, half the mountain gets blown off, and then the lava <laughs> shoots left and right, and there's smoke billowing everywhere, die. people die. <laughs> this is essentially a metaphor for what happens in this movie, is the first, what, probably hour or so is essentially yeah. the lead up to what ultimately is this massive big just knock down, drag out fight that happens.
1: It's a good analogy, too, because they even talk about Pompeii and, you know, the bodies that were frozen for all eternity in ash. And, you know, that's kind of a great analogy. It ties right into that. Like, (laughs) if anyone gets in their crossfire, they're going to get it (laughs) when it's all that big showdown. It's pretty nasty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um... So, they kind of get done with this whole thing. They, and first, they they try to get out of a gift that's been given to them. So, Stephanos and pretty much everybody, I guess. But I think it's from Stephanos and and his wife, uh, Ariana. Ariana. So they have given them this gift of setting them up in a hotel for the night. So obviously, <laughs> as parents, they don't have you know a lot of alone time you know they probably have to do things kind of quick if they have it even have a chance so yep. the, the idea of giving them a night together where they can just relax and you know let
1: have some alone time right
0: and just just enjoy themselves but celine tries to get out of it she's like no 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 you know i mean we you know thank you so much but and again another warning sign You know, because if everything was fine, then this would be like this really, really great thing and she'd be super excited to go, you know, to this hotel to be with Jesse for the evening. But they're like... She's clearly
1: worried about being alone with him.
0: Right. Um, And obviously for good reason. Uh, So they they try to get out of it, but Stephanos and Ariana are like, like kind of a bit of an insulting if you don't do this, like, I mean, maybe that's, like, a Greek thing over there. Maybe they find that to be insulting if you don't accept a gift, I guess. Yeah,
1: it's, like, decline a gift, yeah. Right. I think that's probably a Greek thing.
0: Right. So, um, they're like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, and then we transition into a walk, right? Because they got to walk to this place. So, we get this nice scene, uh, group, well, kind of group of scenes, uh, a lot of walk and talk, where they kind of bring up different things. And, you know, they talk about being close to one another like Celine's like you know I, I I feel right now I feel very close to you and they're having this wonderful sparkling dialogue that they usually have and they get to what is that thing it was it's like this like religious place like they go inside I can't remember what that's called
1: oh the Byzantine chapel is it a
0: Byzantine chapel
1: yeah
0: okay so they go in there and I love what <laughs> When Celine just like licks her finger.
1: I know, like even I was like, damn, that's pretty hot (laughs) to do that in a church. Like, yeah, I'd pretty much lock the door. I don't care what I'm desecrating. (laughs) That would do it.
0: Yeah. I'm like, wow, that that's yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So they, they keep talking. Uh, and like I said, there's a variety of conversations that they and topics that they they kind of get into, um, and sometimes it's actually actually hard to remember everything they talk about. Uh, probably more so, I think, than any other movie. As weird as that sounds,
1: yeah, there's quite a bit they talk about. Um, one thing, though, that always like is so cringy for me is when she asks him uh, if we were meeting on a train, would you still find me beautiful and would you come up and talk to me? And his response isn't actually yes, it's, I can't remember what he says, but I think like, why would I be on a train or something like that? And it's just like, you failed, there was a test and you failed and it's just more, yeah, you're not answering correctly to questions and it's leading down dark paths kind of hinting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. They they have wonderful chemistry. Even obviously, things are not going well at the moment. But even amidst all of that, you can still see the chemistry is kind of still ridiculous between you know these two actors and obviously these two characters. But again, their their conversations are. Darker um, all the subjects are infused with like a certain level I think for the most part of like negativity uh, yes. the things they talk about um, very very much darker subject matter. Um, it's not like the first film they bring up some things but generally it's kind of like this lighter stuff and then the second one it's kind of like in the middle you know and I think it reflects the mood. Of the movies. Obviously with Before Midnight there's a lot going on and it's not good. Um, The tone of the movie is is also set by the title. You know, Before uh, Sunrise was kind of very light, uh, effervescent. Uh, Before Sunset was a bit darker and Before Midnight obviously is the darkest out of all of them.
1: Yeah. And it's funny too, like the cover of Before Midnight, you know, it's, it's very bright, maybe the brightest cover of all of them. But when I think about the cover without having to look at it, I still think of it's being pitch black and that it's actually midnight. And then when I see the cover, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's like this, they're at the same place, but it's in the light. It's, it's very strange. But I just because of the subject matter, I still automatically think black midnight (laughs) darkness.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, they kind of make their way to this hotel. And uh, once they get inside, uh, things initially seem okay. You know, they, they start undressing. Um, they start, you know, a uh, lovemaking session, I guess. Uh, things Beginnings
1: seem- of. Huh? Beginnings of. Beginnings of. Kudos to Ethan Hawke and Julie, by the way. <laughs> They're so comfortable and to keep their emotions, like, on the face and portraying what they're thinking while they're really intimate, it's great acting on their part.
0: I mean, because, like, they, they're, you know, doing stuff here. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, wow, I'm kind of impressed here. I, I You know, I, they could certainly cut away from a lot of this, you know, without having the actors actually have to engage in some of what they're doing. Um, I guess that surprised me. Did it surprise you that they included that?
1: Yeah. And it also surprised me that it's that this movie that they decide to include it. Uh, you know, we've seen them, you know, before the act and you know the camera just cuts and here it's, you know, it's when they're older in their forties and that's when, We get to see the comfortable sexual vulnerability that, you know, I think you even told me that it's when we're, you know, you've been married for so long, you're going to have fights where you're in a vulnerable state at times, and it's not always the most ideal time, or when you're naked, and... I think that's pretty amazing that they decided to go such a bold route and actually have this kind of intimacy between the two of them and actually take the time to show it, not cut away. I think that's a great choice on their part.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it reflects the uh, intimacy. Also, uh, how long they've been together. Uh, and we as viewers, too, I mean, at this point, it's like, just show it. Uh, it, it reinforces <laughs> it. Well, I mean... <laughs> Okay. It's just just show us show us your tits. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> It's just that, you know, you as viewers, I guess it's just we've been around them for what feels like so long um, that it, it makes it feel like the relationship is this realistic thing.
1: Super authentic.
0: Right, super authentic. Um Right, so anyway. They first things started great. And then there's a call, I believe a call from Hank, right? Yes. And that's what starts things off. So run us through what happens, what goes on here?
1: So, what happened is that, well, even earlier in the episode, uh, or not the episode, I'm sorry to say that, in the movie, Hank had called to say he's getting on the flight, and Celine Quick said, okay, we love you, bye, because he was getting on his flight, and uh, Jesse didn't get a chance to talk to him. And the same thing happens here. Hank calls, and she you know, answers, and, you know, they're starting to board on his connection flight, and you know, Jesse says... He clearly wants to talk to his son, say hi, but she just hangs up, puts the phone away, and it kind of ignites the evil that's to commence, <laughs> to say the least.
0: So what what starts out their, their fight here? You know, it's um it's about Hank. It's Initially, it's about Hank, and then it devolves into... Jesse's bringing bringing up Chicago, bringing up essentially what they were talking about in the car, right?
1: Yeah, it's all kind of bubbling back to the surface and spewing out that it's getting regurgitated about Chicago, about having to go there, um, and that, you know, she doesn't want to. Celine says, you know, I have the job of a lifetime. It's my dream job. Even though she was bitching about it in the very beginning, Jess points out and it's just kind of turning into this big resentment filled all the crap that's been accumulating for years that you don't actually fight about, but still in the back of your mind, you've just been repressing just kind of spewing molten crazy over each other.
0: Would you say like for the relationship, it's like, like a death by a thousand cuts
1: oh, easily. <laughs> <laughs> and i she's definitely the pusher. Uh she's very antagonistic, always pulling the fight out of him and getting him to engage in a fight. And sometimes that really bothers me. On the flip side, yeah, there's times i don't like Jesse's brushing things under the rug attitude, you know. They're very different in that matter in that yeah, he doesn't want to focus on it, where she wants to get it out, fight it out, get it over with. Kind of attitude, and it's very explosive.
0: I think it goes back to like before sunrise, though. Remember they were having that fight before they the poet. Yeah, yeah. Remember when they were talking about? It, she was like, "Maybe you know, all what con- all conflict isn't bad."
1: Exactly. Yeah, sometimes it's exactly her philosophy, and that sometimes it you know leads to something good and just to clear the air, you know, and get all that shit taken care of so it's not poisoning your relationship and basically just like, I don't know, sucking the infection out of a wound (laughs) and getting it to heal. Um, And that's, I guess, what they're essentially doing without knowing it. (laughs) It's like the biggest gash ever, but...
0: (laughs) Right, you don't want to let it fester. I mean, essentially, exactly. that's what things. Thing, this has been happening for a number of years. And we also learned that at one point they did move to Chicago. I mean, they were there uh, years ago. For two years. So, so this, like, they haven't been back for – how long did they stay there? How long was it?
1: Two years two. there in Chicago. right, And then back here. Back
0: here. Right, so, you know, we have a situation here where – they've legitimately tried this before it, it. Things did not end well. And it was so bad that it was like, we got to get out of here for the, like the sake of us, for the children, everybody. We, we just need to extricate ourselves from the immediate problem and go back to Europe because this is not clearly working.
1: Yeah. I think they ended up going back because this when she was giving birth and right. she wanted to be in her home with her mother nearby and what what considers she considers to be a safe environment to give birth because she kind of alludes to uh, the fact that it was a rough pregnancy and that she could have died from it. It's very briefly talked about and swept under the rug, but it's kind of alluded to that it was a very difficult pregnancy.
0: Well, you know they, they man, like I said, they get through. They get into so much in this in this conversation. <laughs> I mean, it is just. Uh, like you can't, you cannot break everything down in this in this fight, uh. But you know, Jesse says, "Look, you know, I he first first he gives her credit for being such a good mom, and you know while he was away and doing like the rounds as a writer and stuff, and she's taking care of the kids and, and the strollers and and so like there's this thing where they fight and then there's a pause, and it's like they compliment each other for various things. Now that could be a way of trying to diffuse what's going on, but I also liked it. It wasn't just anger, 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 explosion, anger, 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 explosion, you know?
1: There's moments that come up for air and kind of take a break. I think they both know they both need it. And us as the viewers kind of feel like, okay, everything's gonna be okay, everything's fine. And then it just starts getting ugly again. And does this to us a few times. I think that's what you get, like, the roller coaster of emotions kind of feeling from them doing that. And there, there's some really morbid things they talk about, too. Like, I think the darkest comment, but the funniest at the same time, is Celine talking about when she was getting mugged one night and she was with the two girls and she looks so pathetic that you left her alone and she says that's the upside of being over 35 you don't get raped as much that's like the darkest comment i've ever heard (laughs) so pathetic
0: right i mean
1: so awful it
0: it is terrible um right so in these conversations uh, they come up for air and then of course they go back down into the, just the dark negativity of all this crap that they're pulling out. Uh, so then they get in to this clip. I have this clip here. Uh, we're going to play this clip. It's, it's pretty brutal, but it also ties back <laughs> into the conversation they had at the table. Right. Because the whole like blonde bimbo thing that, that she does at the table, which everyone finds hilarious. And, you know, but
1: it's something that's been in her mind.
0: It's in her mind. And I know she tries to say in this clip, like, I'm not a jealous person, all that. But I don't buy it for a second. Um, no,
1: that's bullshit. <laughs> right.
0: Come on. Um You just upended your entire life for this guy nine years ago. And right. So that doesn't hold any water. Uh So anyway, here's the clip. Um, we'll talk about it. I think
2: they're sexy. Yeah, I know you do. Mr. Book Tour, Mr. Radisson Hilton. And I know that time, when you were doing that reading in Washington, when your cell phone supposedly broke that night. How convenient. Swear on our kids you didn't fuck that lady from the bookstore, Emily. Swear to me you didn't fuck that Emily girl. And I'm not jealous because I'm not the jealous type. But I just want to know, okay? Be a man and admit the truth.
3: I am giving you my whole life, okay? I got nothing larger to give. I'm not giving it to anybody else. If you're looking for permission to disqualify me, I'm not going to give it to you, okay? I love you, And I am not in conflict about it. Okay? But if what you want is like a laundry list of all the things about you that piss me off, I could give it to you.
2: Yeah, I want to here. Yeah.
3: Okay, well, uh, let's start at number one, okay? Number one, you're fucking nuts, all right? You are. Good luck finding somebody else to put up with your shit for more than, like, six months, okay? But I accept the whole package. The crazy and the brilliant, all right? I know you're not gonna change, and I don't want you to. It's called accepting you for being you you okay. I asked you a question.
2: If, while I was carrying that double stroller down the stairs and getting ass-raped in Pigalle, you fucked that little Emily Bronte girl.
3: Okay, I, I don't know what, em- what what Emily, what are you even talking about?
2: The one that wrote the nice emails about Dostoevsky. Oh, Jesse, you're so right. The Grand Commander is the deepest message of all of Russian literature. If uh, you're
3: asking me if I'm committed to you, the girls, and the life we built together, the answer is a resounding yes.
2: So you did fuck her. Thank you very much.
3: Do I ever ask you about the time you went to go visit your old boyfriend after his mother died? No. You want to know why? Because I know the way that your fucking French ass works, and I guarantee that you at least blew that guy but I also know that you love me, all right? And I'm okay with you being a complicated human being. I don't want to live a boring life where two people own each other, where two people are institutionalized in a box that others created because that is a bunch of stifling bullshit. All
0: right, Sarah, what'd you think?
1: Okay, so this is the difficult stuff, Stuff we didn't expect to hear is that she accuses him of fucking this groupie of his, uh, that would send him emails complimenting him and you know, drawing, you know, lines from Dostoevsky to other great writers. And I think she calls her like Charlotte Bronte or Emily Bronte or something like that. And, uh, yeah, and just kind of impersonates her, and we learn that doesn't really say he didn't screw around with this girl, and he throws it back at her that he's fairly sure that she either slapped or blew her ex-boyfriend when his mother died, and that was just, like, the hard-hitting part for me, because I never would have thought that these two would ever touch anybody else when they have each other. It just seems like the crazy thought. And that's the only part that I don't really believe. And I don't like. I don't think it would happen. And I think if it did happen, that they wouldn't be together. So that's... What do you think?
0: Well, okay. I mean, let's first break down the would that ever happen. Uh, And... Again, you know, I, I think part of this this movie, the brilliant part, is the deconstruction of the fantasy of the romance, um, which is that you know, the first two movies that we saw are you know really great, but they they kind of paint this really wonderful romance between these two. And the third movie, I think the job of this third movie is to kind of say, hey, that's great, but guess what? It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, And so on one hand, you think, okay, would this ever happen that either would cheat on the other? And at first blush, you would say, no, of course not. It's Jesse and Celine, right? I mean, they pined after each other for almost a decade, and then they finally got a chance to meet each other again, and obviously, they're where they're at now because of it. So why would they ever do that? But the emotional turmoil that they could be going through—that I think is, you know, the catalyst for any of these possible infidelities. And who knows how long ago this was? And they never say explicitly. Was this last year? Was it three years ago? Was it two years ago? They don't say.
1: Well, I think the, Celine says um, that it was during. His book tour when she was at home with the newborn twin girls, taking the stroller up and downstairs, oh, and all that right. kind of that's stuff. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure about her experience, but his was definitely early in her pregnancy. So right when they're together, right when they have kids. So if that actually happened, that's super shitty of him. Right, so that's the, I agree. I, new I, relationship right. new babies. Yeah. That bothers me.
0: Right. I totally I agree. I totally that. agree. I do. I agree. I, I, you're right. It, it, that would be pretty shitty. Um, And then, I mean, the same thing for her. I mean, regardless of when that happened. Now, do you think if that happened, do you think it's a response to what happened with Jesse? Or do you think that was like, how do you think this played out? Do you think it's just like, fine, uh, you know, if you can do this with little Emily Bronte in the bookstore, I have no qualms about doing this.
1: I don't think so. I think, honestly, for Celine, it would be, you know, going there with the intentions of supporting somebody who once upon a time was a flame of hers, but she's still friends with, and then probably just feeling so bad for him that one thing leads to another kind of thing. I don't think it would come from uh, any kind of resentment towards Jesse. I don't think that's... Yeah, I could see her doing that because she is a fireball, but I don't think that's what happened. I think it's just kind of one of those things that probably an accident or just a mistake on her part. And right. you know, the same can be said for Jessie too. Like, you know, it depends on your relationship, I guess, and the kind of people you are. I just... I could see it for Celine because of the passionate kind of person she is. I just, it's weird for Jesse. I just, because he's the one that wrote the book and declares his love for her day and night. And I don't know. It just seems, I don't know why it's weird on his part. And it's not because I'm thinking like, oh, it's okay for her to cheat. But it's not okay for him to cheat. It's just like, I don't know. I think they needed to set it up a little differently not have it when they just had newborn babies because that's the weird part maybe
0: like in the last like two or three years something happened as, as opposed to that
1: yeah exactly I see. yeah so, something kind of i don't know maybe fizzled or they're fighting more what have you but it just seemed weird that it was in the beginning of their marriage relationship whatever
0: <laughs> right just because given how each had changed their lives so much for the other that you don't think that that would happen so early
1: yeah, it just doesn't seem... That's of the part that bugs me. Like, ick, sure, it could happen, but it just bothers me.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But anyway, in this clip, um, it, it's really tough to listen to everything. Yeah. It, it's really brutal. Um, I remember when I watched it for the first time, I was I, I was riveted. I was riveted by this like last 30 minutes or so of this movie. Like... Think of like some of the biggest action blockbusters, or like movies <laughs> where you're just you just glued glued to the TV screen, or if you're at the movie theater to the movie screen. Can't blink. And you can't you cannot look away. I got to go to the bathroom. I've been holding it for forty five minutes, but damn, I will <laughs> piss my pants before I get up. Right. That is it's the like watching a right.
1: train crash. Right. You know, it's
0: like that's the level of just all out intensity that this, this whole scene evoked for me. Um, And then, you know, he just tells you like, like in the scene, he tells you like, you are just, you are crazy. Like, good luck finding somebody else (laughs) that is going to put up with your shit. You know? Um, I guess the question I have for you is, did did you like the characterization of the, you you already alluded to this, how Jesse's kind of like the laid back one. It feels like, it's almost like it feels like Celine is like the crazy one, who's just. <laughs> does, do you think feel like she comes off worse in this movie because of, the way she's portrayed, like constantly like, pushing him, pushing his buttons, like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like it's hard to watch her because she is the pusher and the catalyst for the fight. Like she's the one that brings up, the past, brings up you know stuff that doesn't need to be brought up and but at the same time you look on this is she's truly being the person she's always been which is a very passionate person who isn't gonna just lay down let something kind of brush under the rug if it's coming up it's coming up and she's gonna yeah i don't like her belittling but i do like that the keeps true to her character when she's pushing him and constantly fighting and bringing things up, it's, that's true to her character. The belittling is childish, and I don't think that's very... It's not them. But, yeah, the fighting, I think it's... It's harder to watch her than it is him, because he's very just lay down. And he usually just kind of takes most of her shit. Like, especially at the table, it's kind of like... <sighs> Because he knows if he fights back, it's going to be a big fight in front of them. So he's just kind of staying silent so as to not create more drama. And I think that's what he's kind of done for so long that now at this point, he's just kind of unleashing it. And yeah, I think that's fine. I don't think either of them are the bad guys, but they both have their own certain ways of coming at each other.
0: I guess one thing I didn't like was how she belittled him about like his sexual preferences and how yeah. you know like like oh you just want the same thing all the time like you never change anything up you know it's always I always know exactly what you're gonna do you're gonna do this and then you're gonna do this and then you're gonna do this and, do this, and this is what you like and it's like boy that's a to me like that in particular is really below the belt like man that really is such is, totally. that is I mean I mean. All the other subjects aside, to me, that is such a very difficult thing for each like whether you're a male or a female, to be told by the other, another person that you're with that, that they're like they're make, kind of making fun of you for what you like in the bedroom. I mean, like, talk about a mojo killer. Like we're not yeah, talking about it's... we're not talking about for tonight. We're talking like it's gonna be a while.
1: Exactly. And it's like <laughs> It's not just you're attacking something that you know bothers. You can't just talk to them about that. Like that's something he's gonna remember every time he has sex with you for the rest of his life. That and it's always gonna, probably gonna bother him, and that's pretty awful to put that in the back of someone's head for the rest of their life. And. I don't know. That's really below the belt and really shitty thing to say. I totally agree.
0: Yeah. I, like you were saying about the thing, like the, the part that you really didn't like, and that to me was the part I really did. Like, I guess, cause I'm a guy and you know, if that was done it to hurts. me, that would like, be like, man, I feel so bad for you right now. Or really do, <laughs> you know? like Yeah. I,
1: like looking at it, if you know, it was the guy it to a female, looking at it from like a feminine perspective, man, I would be pretty much in tears <laughs> as a girl. Cause like, it's such so sensitive. I mean, you're so vulnerable with a person when you're being intimate and to have that criticized, that's like the sacred place. You don't you don't touch that. Right. You leave that alone. If you have issues, you talk comfortably and you know, talk it out with the person. You don't bring it up in a fight. That's not good. That's a bad relationship.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, seriously. Oh. Ugh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like, did you ever just kind of say, hey, let's try something different tonight? (laughs) Bring in some whipped cream or something, you know, spice it up yourself, because you're the other part of that that relationship. It doesn't have to just be him making the effort. Right, like you could
0: could be suggestive in a way that sounds constructive as opposed to, like, making fun of him.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. That's really bothersome
0: uh but anyway they get to a point in this argument where she just she they like she walks out the door um as he's yelling um he sits at the table she walks back in and she says you know what this is this is it this is over i don't lo- i don't think i love you anymore and so she walks and out the door key. yeah
1: Yeah, like, when she put the key down and left, that was when my heart was just like, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. (laughs) Having a full-on panic attack. and I thought that was going to be the end of the movie, and I was going to be so upset. (laughs) Uh,
0: So Jesse sits there, and just, he deep sigh, I guess, um, obviously. And, uh... We we kind of go down. We see Celine. She's sitting on the waterfront at this this like as a cafe of some kind, like out at the pier. Uh, there's tables there. She's sitting by herself, and Jesse comes down with this this letter. He sits down. Excuse me. He sits down and he says that um, he tries to be cute, which probably isn't the way to go go about this. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah, even I was watching that, and I'm like, oh, boy. she's going to crush him. I can't watch this. It's like a cat playing with a mouse, you know? It's going to get ugly.
0: What did you think of this final scene? Like, generally, what did you think, before get, without getting into too much spoilery?
1: Uh, first time around, I didn't like it. I, le- I liked it. Second time around, a little more. But the first time around, I felt like, man, it's the wrong time to try and be cute. But it makes sense for his character. I mean, that's what he does. That's how he charmed her in the first place, and kind of you know, it was his charismatic, beautiful look on life, and just kind of the writer that has this beautiful mind that kind of brought it all together. It had this attraction to from her. And so it makes sense that that's where he goes back to and pulls from and tries to kind of reignite and bring back the memories and feelings of, you know, when they first got together and what it meant to them. It makes sense.
0: Right, I agree. Um, I I too was cringing, thinking, boy, buddy, you are (laughs) in for a rough one here. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But what what I really liked, and I had a hard time. I mean, I'm going to be up front here. I had a really hard time picking the clips for this movie. I really did. Because (laughs) I kept thinking, what do I pick? You know, really, what do I pick? Honestly, it was hard. And I really thought about...
1: so much good dialogue. And just intense scenes as well.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I like, was like, do I pick the fight scene? Do I pick this end scene? Do I pick something at the beginning? Do I pick, you know? So it was like, I should probably just kind of like pick something in the beginning, middle, in the end, just to kind of give a, like, a breadth of the different parts of this movie. And I really wanted to get the end. And I should have. I mean, I guess I could have done it. But it's not necessarily re- uh, what we need for this because the big part was the fight. And this is kind of like... You know, the, the anti-climax part, you know, we're now after the big fight, you know, kind of breaking this down. What I really like, though, about this whole scene, I mean, once he gets through his whole, sh- you know, spiel about, I'm a time traveler, and I'm here to tell you <laughs> that, you know, you're 80 now, and you're, you're looking back on your life, and I'm here to tell you not to, like, not to make any rash judgments, essentially, and things will get better, things will be okay. Uh, but once that's over, she's she's initially unreceptive. She's like, Jesse, did you hear me? I told you I don't love you anymore. And he's like, well, shit, you know, like, I thought you were just joking. But, you know, if that's really how you feel, then I'm, I don't know what the hell to do. And he kind of does a pause and he says, and what he tells her is, if you're looking for real love, this is what it is right here. You know it's not perfect but it's real it's it's we have our hard we have our hard times we have our hard moments but this is what real love real love isn't the fairy tale you get told in Disney cartoons real love is a real relationship that has its ups and downs and work. it's work and um so I really appreciated that what did you think of of this part of this scene because and she like I love how she kind of like you can see like her she's running to tear up and she like looks away, like you can see that like maybe of every out of everything he said that night, this is the maybe the one thing that really got through, something that she has to confront for herself, and it leads back to, to before sunrise, when the fortune teller is holding her hands and he tells she tells Celine, you must how'd she say that you must, she must you must was it something like you must relinquish. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. But basically what she says is you must accept the fact, you must accept the awfulness of life. And only in doing that will you be able to find true happiness and true peace within yourself. And I think that kind of is something that they kind of highlight here, which is Celine is still not able to fully accept when things aren't perfect. And she's looking maybe for this perfect relationship even though she's met the man that she loves so much and but she's willing to kind of throw it away all the way because Jesse isn't a perfect person you know I, I don't know yeah. I, I mean, like, what, what did you think I mean, I'm kind of rambling on here
1: <laughs> yeah I really love that he is persistent to the very bitter end and yeah, despite having that horrible argument and how much she just on him with her words and her antagonizing, he's still fighting back and still willing to be vulnerable for their relationship. That says so much to me. And the fact that he is also, you know, telling her, like, yeah, like this is real love. It's not easy. It's not perfect. Like it's real and it's full of hurt and passion and all the great things about life too. And yeah, it's wonderful. And I think one of my favorite parts of this is when they're sitting in silence and, you know, both of them have tears in their eyes and neither know if they're staying or if they're going. And even Celine reaches for her purse at one point and you can just see the look on Jesse's face that he thinks that's the moment that this is going to be it. And he, like, just broken eyes. Totally broken. And But she ends up staying and you can see the wheels and the cogs turning in her mind and that she just accepts it and really is taking a look at their relationship from afar and finally plays in and accepts everything and is willing to put it all aside for their relationship and doesn't leave which everyone watching this (laughs) i can imagine it was just like the biggest sigh of relief (laughs) ever
0: right i totally agree um so if we look at the locales that these movies have taken place in you know we had vienna in the first one which is like this this picturesque romantic city and then of course the second one even more romantic right paris
1: (laughs) paris um
0: each one of these look like the like the titles, the locales have a way of kind of telling you what the movie, the tone of the movie, and it kind of adds to what the movie's trying to say or what the characters are trying to do. Like it's informative. It's a third character. It, it's a, it's a adding kind of depth to the themes and what they're trying to explore. So what I really like about this one, though, is that... Greece is full of this beautiful, absolutely amazing architecture and these monuments and buildings, but guess what? They're crumbling. And I think it's a nice kind of uh, metaphor for their relationship currently at the moment. Beautiful, but it's also crumbling right now. And so I think I really I really appreciated that aspect because I thought about why why Greece of all places? What's this supposed to symbolize? And it kind of hit me like, okay, you know Greece is beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful old architecture and things from you know ancient times, but it's also crumbling into the sea right now. And that's kind of what's going on right now or what could go what could happen, depending on how this you know this night goes. So,
1: yeah, that's actually a really good point. I like that. I think that's probably exactly why they chose Greece. And like Celine says as well, it's a place full of tragedy and all this passionate energy. And she even mentions to like, the women that she was scared coming here would mean something tragic would happen. Just another foreshadowing. Uh,
0: yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so. Is there anything you would like to like? What do, give me your uh, thoughts on this movie. Like now that we've kind of covered what happens, is there anything that you would like to say? Like any opinions that you have regarding this?
1: Oh, man, I think we've kind of gone through them all. But as a whole, I think, and especially as a whole as a series, they're truly something special. A really genuine, hard beautiful look at at the growth of a relationship that we're just uh, special enough to get to witness it and get to actually see this. It's pretty amazing. And of course, it not real, but it's written so well that it could be real. I think that's what's magical about it is that you feel like this could happen to people in the real world. And, you know, we all find... Fleeting connections throughout life and sometimes they stick around sometimes they don't but It's really magical to get somebody who's actually Captured that kind of magic and played it through and yeah, God, I love this entire series It's something really special
0: I agree um, What I like about this movie is that we see the characters with real commitments and um, if we look at the first movie, it was these two young twenty-something, uh, early twenty-something uh, uh, adults, I guess. I guess the technically adults, um, and they didn't have a care in the world. You know, they were able to have that night together because they had no care in the world. Um, <laughs> and then we see them in the next movie, and life has knocked them around a bit. You know, we're starting to see the effects of of what it's like after they've had a few bad things happen to them. Um, maybe life hasn't been quite as fair to them, or they haven't achieved all the things that they wanted to do, achieve in their life up to that point. And we're starting to see, you know, the wearing down a bit. Uh, with this movie, it's even more so. Uh, I think we're seeing them under the weight of commitment and adult being well in adulthood. And you know, being parents and, and what that yeah, does it's huge. Also we see the weight of time, you know, on, on them as people and the things that they're thinking about, the things that they're worried about. It's it's, you know, veering more towards this is where we're at in our life. Do I want to go elsewhere? And if I want to, I better do it now. Because otherwise I'm kind of stuck with this person, you know, um,
1: it's <laughs> such an awful way to think about it, but it's true. It's like, that's the point in your life where it's like, well, stay or go. This is the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, these are different phases of love that they're in. And I really, I really enjoy though, ultimately how real this movie feels. Um, to me, this is a counterpoint to the first two movies. Um, it, this is the most lived-in of the of the three movies, without a doubt. Um, easily the most lived-in. And I really, really enjoy that about this, because they could have easily taken this in the romantic route. They could have sorted it out with, like, a they've been through hard times and Jesse's taken her to this Greek Island as a getaway. And, and by the end of the movie, they're just so much more in love than ever. And, you know, like that (laughs) could have, that could have been the way it went, but instead they chose to make this as realistic as possible.
1: Yeah. I think they made the right choice for sure. This was felt much more natural and real to the characters and played right into the actual, you know, the things that were bothering them the most at this time in their life. So yeah. I think they made a good choice.
0: Yeah. All right. Um I guess that's kind of it for us in this review. I guess we should get to our grade. So Sarah, why don't you give your grade for I know it's kind of a form it's kind of a formality, but go ahead. Give your grade it's for really... the give your grade. Okay.
1: Well, it's coming to no surprise to anybody that this is going to be an A-plus movie for me. All of these deserve a massive A-plus, and they're just brilliant, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes even backs me up. They gave it 98%. (laughs) (laughs) So if they back me up, you know it's true.
0: Right. Um, Okay. So yeah, Um, A-plus for me these are great movies Um, they really epitomize I think what great cinema can be when actual effort is put in and if you're gonna do like a romantic movie of some kind or whether it be a romantic comedy or just a pure romance I think screenwriters could look at these movies and see the strengths that they have and okay if you want a plot for your movie Fine, like the plots in these are are very minimal for a reason because it's not the thing that matters. Um, it's characters and uh dialogue, and what we learn about the characters through dialogue, and just seeing two intelligent people talking, and what you know, kind of learning about each other because of the conversations that they have, and ultimately what those conversations lead to in each movie. I think screenwriters can learn so much from these movies and kind of taking the, the strengths and the really great qualities and applying them to their movies. Um, I wish they'd do that more Completely. because most of the time we just get garbage, you know.
1: People don't like to scratch below the surface very much. Yeah. Where this takes a deep dive into, like, personal world.
0: <laughs> well, because they, they actually, they, like you said, they, they dig deeper. Yeah, they go. They're going for something more. Yeah. So
1: the true, true pieces of life that have wheels turning and keep the relationships in motion, and it's the crux of everyone's kind of universe is a relationship.
0: (laughs) Right. All right, Owen. That's it for us this week. Uh, We'll be taking off next week, actually, because um, we're going to be coming back to do it when it after it comes out in theaters so it'll be out next week so we'll be doing the review um the following week so look for us to come back uh, in two weeks then with our review of it by stephen king uh really looking forward to that and then we'll be following that up in the coming uh, weeks afterwards with the kingsman and also the kingsman the Golden Circle, which will be the sequel to that movie. So we're going to watch The Kingsman first, and then we'll do The Kingsman The Golden Circle. So, yes. uh, yeah. Um, Sarah, how can they uh, get a hold of us, um, Patreon, all that good stuff?
1: <laughs> so if you want to send in an email or a voicemail about anything we've done, or about before the Before trilogy, or what have you, you can feel free to do so by sending it to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com or out on Twitter at Freak Geeks Media. And then we have our course for Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Geeks, where we have all kinds of subscriber levels and content and giveaways and goodies, and all that fun stuff. And if you don't mind hopping onto iTunes, checking us out, giving us a rating review, we deeply appreciate that.
0: All right, that's it, everyone. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, have a good one. Until next time. See you later.
1: Night geeks.